0: Log Talk Radio.
1: See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan.
3: Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen.
2: Hi, Susan. How are you doing tonight?
3: I am doing great. What a beautiful picture of your goats you sent me. Thank you.
2: Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, they are so
3: cute. As you know, it's hard not to be cute uh-huh, if you're a goat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing guaranteed to make you laugh as much as a baby gets.
2: Oh, so so true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: true. An absolute cure for any depression. Maybe not a forever cure, mm-hmm. but at least for an hour.
2: Yes, <laughs> in the moment. Definitely and with Ooh, a with the last uh,
4: effect for <laughs> a
2: little bit. Nice.
3: <laughs>
2: what's going on with you? How have you been?
3: Well, Many, many years ago, in the 70s, as a matter of fact, um, I worked with a group of women to put on a medicine conference in Woodstock, alternative medicine. We had all kinds of people there. And um, what's really interesting about Woodstock is there's no one big space in Woodstock. So we had, you know, something at this art gallery and something at that art gallery. And you had to kind of like go around town to get to all the workshops. And um, one of the women was there teaching about past life regressions. I didn't go to her workshop, and she kind of called me on it that Saturday night when we were dancing together. And she said, you didn't come to my workshop. And I said, eh, past life regressions, blah, blah, blah. And she said, good, we'll come to my house and I'll do a past life regression with you. And that was the beginning of a friendship that has continued on for all of this time, nearly 50 years. Mm. So when her husband got in touch with me last week and said that um, he thought that she was going to die, I was there in spirit with both of them and i was gifted by being able to see her he collects crystals very very big crystals and i was gifted with being able to see her in the warehouse which is actually like a display area Um, But things are not just like in boxes They're out so that they can be seen And lit, really well lit And we were in the warehouse And she said that she wanted the lights on And he turned the lights on It's a big deal to turn the lights on There's a lot of lights And at that point I saw that her feet Weren't quite touching the floor And that while Mm. she wasn't transparent Neither was she opaque Mm. And she began going to the Big crystals, and these crystals are big enough that you can actually, like, practically, you know, walk inside them. She was able to walk inside them. Ordinary people can't, but at this point, she could. And he does have some smaller <clears throat> pieces, but if they're small, then they're extravagantly expensive, like half a million dollars for something the size of a kernel of corn. And she, yeah, and she began picking up these smaller pieces and putting into
5: her heart. Oh, wow.
2: That is so precious.
3: She has, in fact, fact left her body. She is dead now.
2: Hmm.
3: And I feel very blessed that I was gifted with that vision of her putting the priceless gems in her heart as she left. the largest soul I've ever known. She was able to encompass everybody and everything. She did a wonderful, amazing kind of therapy called voice dialogue. As a matter of fact, trained and taught people to do voice dialogue. I have her poem in um, Abundantly Well as the start for deep medicine this was written by Miriam Dyack 9th of March 2011 be ready be ready for inevitable talons that grip you up through hot green summer grass and carry your flailing little mouse self into a sun blinded sky if you would be food for gods if you would offer up your spirit to the source? Then let go of all that pitying nonsense. Let go your cherubic candy visions of any enlightenment less fierce, less absolute than the hawk's blazing yellow eye. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow Do I love 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 That woman Mm -hmm. And of course Because the goddess is so good In my inbox today From someone who didn't realize That Miriam had died Came this wonderful poem by Ellen Bass Called The Thing Is To love life To love it even when you have no stomach for it and everything you've held dear crumbles like burnt paper in your hands. Your throat fills the silt of it when grief sits with you. It's tropical heat thickening the air heavy as water, more fit for gills than lungs. When grief weights you down like your own flesh, only more of it. An obesity of grief. You think, how... Can the body withstand this? Then, you hold life like a face between your palms, a plain face, no charming smile, no violet eyes, and you say, yes, I will take you, I will love you
6: again.
2: I could feel that. That was powerful. Mm. Mm.
3: Some people say they don't like poetry, but poetry is really just very condensed prose. And of course, because it was a poem by Ellen Bass, and I had to go and print out my favorite poem by Ellen Bass. Mm -hmm. Get your tea, it's a long one. It's called... And she wrote it in 1985, about the time when I first read it. My periods have changed. It is years since I swallowed pink and gray round chalky My Dolls from the bottle with the smiling girl. Now, I play in a quiet space, protect myself those first few days when my uterus lets go and I am an open anemone. "'I know when my flow will come. "'I watch my mucus pace changes like a dancer, "'follow the fall and rise of my body heat. "'All this. "'And yet I never questioned them, those slim white handies. "'It took me years to learn to use them, "'starting with a jar of Vaseline. "'I didn't even know where the hole was. "'I didn't even know enough to try to find one. "'I pushed until only a little stuck out, "'and I hope that was far enough.' I tried every month through high school, and now I can change it in a moving car like Audrey Hepburn changing dresses in the taxi in the last scene of breakfast at Tiffany's, and I got to give them up. Tampons, I read, are bleached, are chemically treated to, to compress better and contain asbestos. Good old asbestos, once we learned not to shake it, Johnson's, Johnson's on our babies or her diaphragms, we thought we had it licked. So what do we do? They're universal. Even macrobiotics and lesbian separatists are hooked on them. Go back to sanitary napkins, junior high, double napkins on the heavy days, walking home, damp underpants, chafing thighs. It's been a full 12 years since I've worn one since Spain. When Marjorie pierced my ears and I unloaded half a suitcase of the big pads in the hotel trash, someone in my workshop suggested TessaWay, away a little cup that catches the flow. They've stopped making them, we're told. Women found they could reuse them, and the company couldn't make enough money. Besides, the suction pulled the cervix out of shape. And then diaphragms? Oh, it presses on me, one woman says. So swollen those days, too tender. Menstrual extraction, a young woman says. I heard about that. Ten minutes, and it's done. But I do not trust putting tubes into my uterus each month. We're always told everything is safe at the beginning. Moss. The Indians use moss. I live in Aptos. We grow succulents. I will buy moss when they sell it at the co-op. Okay. It's like the whole birth control smear. There just isn't a good way. Women bleed. We bleed. The blood flows out of us. So let us bleed. Blood paintings on our thighs. Patterns like riverbeds. Blood on the chairs in insurance offices, blood on greyhound buses and 747s, blood blots, flower forms on the blue skirts of the stewardesses, blood on restaurant floors, supermarket aisles, the steps of government buildings, sidewalks with blood trails like gretels, breadcrumbs. We can always find our way. We will ease into rhythm. Together it happens when women live closely, our blood flowing on the same days. The first day of our heaviest flow, we will gather in Palmer, Massachusetts, on the steps of Tampex Incorporated and have a bleed in. We'll smear blood on our faces, Max Factor will join OB in bankruptcy. The perfume industry will collapse. Who needs whale sperm, turtle oil when we have free blood? For a little while, cleaning products will boom. 409, Lysol, Windex, but then (laughs) the executives will just give up. The cleaning woman is leaving a red, wet rivulet as she scrubs down the previous veins. It's no use. The men will have to do it themselves and that will Come up for vote at the board meeting. Women's clothing manufacturers, fancy furniture, plush carpets, all out. It's just not practical. We'll live the old way. Simple floors, dirt, concrete, hose down, straw can be recycled. Simple clothes, none in summer. No more swimming pools. Swim in the river. Yes, swim in the river dogs will fall in love with us. We'll feed the fish with our blood. Our blood, our blood will neutralize the chemicals and dissolve the old parts. Our blood will detoxify the phosphates and and the PCBs. Our blood will feed the depleted soil. Our blood will water the dry, tired surface of the earth. We will bleed. We will bleed. We will bleed until we bathe her. In our blood, and she turns slippery like a newborn baby.
7: Wow! she's
2: amazing. I have—I don't Ellen I don't know. Bass. Wow! Wow, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's so much there. <gasps> so much. That is so beautiful.
3: <laughs> I've always, always loved that particular poem, Tampons by Ellen Bass. Mm. I first I couldn't find it. I was asking for tampon, but it's plural tampons.
2: Tampons. Wow. To tampons. get myself yeah. that. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Now, for our guest tonight, we have an old hippie. I'm not saying that she is. Margaret Nash is a lifelong seeker, a hippie, an old hippie, and the author of seven books. And um, she's going to talk about rebellious aging, a self-help guide for the old hippie. So whether or not you're an old hippie or a new hippie or a young hippie or not a hippie at all, Come back at 9 o'clock or stay with us until 9 o'clock, and you'll get to hear what Margaret Nash has to say about rebellious aging. As you know, what I say is there's no problem with old. The problem is the adjectives that are used. We want to be stunningly old, thrillingly old, excitingly old, fabulously old. Yeah. Love it. What have you been up to?
2: Oh, well, um, having fun with the goatees, of course, trying to keep up with the garden. Um, I had, let's see, I I, I had a discovery this week um, coming in from the barn. So I guess my two surprises this week were bats and burdock. And the bats, um, I was coming in from the barn with milk, and I saw something hanging stuck off the side of the house behind um, a shutter and I realized we have bats up there so at first I was a little bit ah freaked out and then I calmed down. Um, I needed to save the bat actually because it was stuck and um, I looked it up and it's mating season or baby season actually and they only have one baby per season and um, they're very protective and you know they don't they don't want anything to happen to them so I put a long stick together and um, offered it to the bat. and The bat kind of pried itself with that offering, and um, now they're actually sitting. I think it's so fun on the outside of the wall that I'm looking at. They, of course, chose the room that I have myself set up in to make their home right outside of. So, yeah, I'm learning about that.
3: <laughs> wow, bats! So wonderful. They eat a lot of mosquitoes.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're yeah they're pretty amazing. So um, then an interesting just like learning week about that. And then burdock, oh, my gosh, how about an underestimation? I always knew that the plant was so Velcro-y, but um, I was doing some trimming in an area that the goats aren't allowed in, and they love to eat the burdock. So I was trimming, cutting down some of the burdock before it all went to seed. And um, I was putting it over the fenced area where they are, and it landed on my head. And there ensued me wrestling burdock burrs out of my frizzy ponytailed hair. And it was a mess. It was like my hair was stuck to my scalp in so many different ways. It was, it was, it was painful. Um,
3: patience. I've seen people with a their- huge get <laughs> out of their hair because they couldn't get the burrs out.
2: It was either patience or scissors. I, I couldn't believe I was in the mirror. Like I, I'm almost embarrassed to say I was screaming and crying. My husband thought I was a nut. I'm like,
3: I can't believe Burdock is reducing me to this.
0: What am I doing to myself? This is terrible.
3: So, I have it's a really, really, really frustrating because the hooks go in all directions.
2: All directions. And my hair is some bit thinner, not... Horribly thinner. I didn't cut hunks out. I went in with, like, fingernail
7: scissors
2: into, like, the burrs as best I could and broke the burrs cut, apart. Cut the
3: burrs open a bit, yes. Yes. Yes,
2: yes. But it was hard to get to them because the ponytail was kind of loose, and so the loose part latched on to the scalp hair part, mm. and it was mm. like a knotted mess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, goodness. respect for this is This us is us. why...
3: Burdock is illegal in New Zealand. Really? I had no idea. Because of sheep, right? New Zealand is England's sheep farm, basically. And imagine if a sheep gets into burdock burrs.
2: Oh, my gosh. Wow. That would be torture.
3: Torture. You basically, the wool would be wasted. You couldn't use it.
7: Yeah.
2: I'm imagining them, like, stuck to something with the birds or, like, stuck to another one. I mean, that's how sticky they were. Like, you could have a yes. of sheep together. <laughs>
5: oh, my gosh. That's
7: crazy.
5: Sheep
2: velcroed
7: wow. one to the other, huh? <laughs> I,
2: I, yeah. I have some really large burdock here, the the major, the big, like, leave bigger than, well, like, I mean... <laughs> Longer than from my, th- than my thigh, you know, from my knee to my hip, they're huge. So, yeah, <sighs> I could imagine that. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh-huh.
3: I have oh, seen pictures goodness. of birds, of birds actually caught in the birdlock oh, wow. to- birds.
2: Oh wow! Not able to
3: even the birds, yeah.
2: Wow. Like I said, respect, a whole new level of respect for Burdock.
3: (laughs) And we are coming up to the beginning of August. And the beginning of August is a cross-quarter holiday. The quarter holidays are the solstices and equinoxes, and then the cross-quarters are the in-betweens, like May Day and Halloween And the cross-quarter day at the beginning of August is the fruits of the first harvest. It's the harvest festival, the grain harvest festival.
6: Mm.
3: And as of then, you're allowed to let the weeds take over.
0: Yay. Yay.
3: because they want to, don't they?
2: They they want they are. Yeah, they they want
4: to and they're showing that they can. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, if you've been on them up until the beginning of August, your plants are big enough to deal to cope with some weeds for the rest of the season.
2: Oh, that, that is a relief. I was hoping that last night when I was in the corn. I was like, the corn is taller than the weeds now. So I think that's a good thing. I think I can let up. But now to hear you say that and to know that it comes from such, a, you know, a part of the old ways and the ways. Yeah. I, yeah. It yeah, makes so much sense. I love it.
3: Mm. Mm. Do we have anybody with any questions tonight? Are we still together? Hi. Hi. Yes,
2: we are. I'm sorry. Oh, there you are. Okay. (laughs)
3: Sorry
2: about that. That's okay. Uh, We've got a listener who has pressed one to raise their hands, and I'll remind everyone else uh, who's listening that if you have a question tonight, you will need to press the number one in order to line yourself up in the queue with your question. Uh, The first call is dialed in from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan.
3: It's Carol from Nashville. Hi. What's up tonight?
4: Hi. I'm super interested in your guest. Sounds like a TED Talk I recently heard of Jane Fonda on Life's Third Act.
3: (laughs) What was Jane saying?
4: uh that uh there's a word it's called entropy i guess it's the the eventual decline of everything except yes. the spirit you know we are always moving upward and if anybody over fifty plus the statistics are or whatever that studies are less anxious and less stressed and enjoy their lives finally, and it's calling it life's third act, like something you wanted to you know things you get to accomplish anyway this the rebellious aging I'm, I'm quite interested.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's quite interesting to hear what she has to say about it too.
4: Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick around. And the All right, good. poem you read about from, uh, her name is Ellen Bass, B-A-S-S. That's right, like the fish. Yeah. I, my immediate response was, damn. Standing ovation, right? <laughs> As a head of a standing
3: ovation, you go, I Ellen. I mean,
4: well done, fabulous. I mean, well, I've been listening to some of your talks today, and I've been on um some rounds, some healthcare rounds, and and listen, I think two of them early this morning. So I was listening early in this talk today, and I had to remember that I was in the queue, and this was live. <laughs> Uh-huh. Susan. I'm going to be driving up there through New York in two weeks. Will Hypericum be
3: finished? Uh, no, not in the higher elevations.
4: Okay, so I'm going
3: up to that. I'm only I'm about, about 400 feet. I'm only about 400 feet above sea level, and it's still blooming by me. And as you go up, there will, it will still be in bloom.
4: Yay, Are out. and artisa, You can uh, you know, go,
3: go up to the ski areas, go up to Hunter, go up to... to Right um, on. I'm out, right. You, as you go up, you'll find Hypericum still in flower. And, of course, anybody who's been harvesting their flowers, just by picking the flowers, will find that it extends the harvest by weeks and weeks.
4: Oh, no, absolutely. And kind of giving anything a haircut helps. I mean, I cut. I might. My neighbor is asking about her basil. Like, give it a haircut; it'll come back. And and hypericum is like that. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I told you last year when I went up, where I got. uh, The further north you go, the more beautiful that plant is. Absolutely. That was really my question,
3: but I had a. But. But 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 all that said, there's not a lot of hypericum this year.
4: Oh, I'm so glad you said that. About two weeks ago, somebody said it was a great year for my and I'm like, really? Because this has not been my experience this year. I just found some ipericum and I'm t- I knew I got it towards the end, but I, uh, please, i got to have you. And it was just enough for, like, a little pint, but I had to have her, and I'm just, you know, she worked my, I called you last year, and I harvested her just when the dew was going on up there in Connecticut or somewhere, and it, you said, just go ahead and think. her sh- yeah, tincture it anyway, because it wasn't turning the color. And you said, it'll work. It'll happen. And it, by the eight weeks, it was just like everybody else, all the other Hypericum. Yay. So I'm hoping
6: that will happen this time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm squeezing it. I'm not, I'm not trying to push. I'm just trying to squeeze.
3: There you go. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was uh, fact I have found it here and there blooming as late as September.
4: In here and there and don't you just love roadsides? Do tell. They're my favorite oh, yeah. search place. <laughs> I pretty much find everything I need on some dirt, I mean, roadside. Except like, you know, your little orchids and your fancy things you got to go into the dark woods for. <laughs> but anything that wants to be used is not hard to find. Yeah. It's true. I just want you to know that I had this incredible conversation today, In my, I enrolled in this gender studies class. Uh, almost got thrown out, but then I got it, everybody to veer the right way because I said gender studies is not female studies, and then you can only imagine. But we had a good time.
3: Wow. I Damn. know, and I
4: brought up it interesting. the Mary Daly book. Beyond God the Father. Uh-huh. So they're going to go grab that and read it. i got to read it, too. I kind of yeah. raised it, but now I'm going to chew it.
3: Oh, it! all three of her books are must-read books.
4: They are standing ovations. They
3: are, But I will tell indeed. you that. At the first goddess when? conference... Her, which was in Boston Mary spoke to us And we were so thrilled That we literally Picked her up And carried her As you ought <laughs> You know She was just like Ah uh,
4: You know You like, win uh. Mary You win <laughs> <laughs> nah, No I know I mean Listen There's uh, no, a way To communicate about is Mary
3: She's no longer with us But she was a theologian And beyond God the Father Woo I tell you, really was, like, stunning work and still is. Uh,
4: yes, ma'am. I mean, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am.
3: But <laughs> I got
4: to bring up the word goddess. I mean, this is where the conversation, it was a nice conversation. It wasn't a forum or anything, but it was six women. And, uh, good, I oh, the goddess, because I'm a midwife. And, like, the whole inclusive thing is just, um, for real, goddess includes the god. <laughs> Her includes he. You know? And I mean, woman includes that's man. man. <laughs> and woman includes man. I'm, I just, yeah, thank you for helping me out there. And so the, that's the beginning of it. It's not, you know, and, ah, it was just brilliant. We had a brilliant, brilliant, most, stimulating conversation, and thank you to your feminism versus female little talk on YouTube that we sat and listened to, I was like, yeah, see, and she's a radical, okay, so it's, um, it's not an issue of right or left, it just makes sense, agreed, and we all agreed, so this was some meat that we went home
3: with today, thank you. All right. I'm all for everybody having rights, but I'm especially
4: really for but women. Let's keep it, and for have women having rights, order.
3: because I see worldwide that women don't have rights in general, and I, you know, I find little things that I keep around that I read frequently to remind myself of what's going on. This is a statement by Dr. Raj Punjabi. The CEO and co-founder of Last Mile Health, and he says, the poorest women on earth subsidize health care globally to the tune of $1 trillion per year with unpaid and underpaid work that's larger than the economies of over 150 countries.
4: Would you mind, as I do believe that quote is worth repeating, do me the service of repeating that again?
3: The poorest women on earth subsidize health care globally to the tune of $1 trillion per year with their unpaid and underpaid work.
4: Can, tell me what, what that's trying to communicate. I mean, I well, hear it I'm, from the heartthrob. Yeah, what,
3: what I hear is that ensuring women's rights will ensure that everyone is well taken care of.
4: Okay, right, because all cultures are oppressed. And women's rights will keep that from... I mean, oh, okay.
3: Understood. When, we take care of, when we take care of women, women take care of everyone. They're, okay, then.
7: Oh.
4: It, you know, and, and being big feminist and kind of being it conservatively, kind of not socially as much as just you know, thinking of common, you know, tra- you know, traditional rule, you know, um, traditions and rituals. Fighting for trans rights just, you're right, it grates my nerves because I don't even feel like I've gotten mine yet. <laughs> so stand in line. When I get mine, then I'll help you get yours.
3: That's what I'm saying, basically, is that the women constitute 51% of the people on this planet, and let's work hard, get women rights. And then what will happen as a natural consequence of that because of the way that women are is that once, once women don't have to worry about being murdered, raped, um, impoverished, then they will do what women love to do, which is to take care, but to bring start beauty. Start the garden.
4: get the yeah, the next morning, start planting, start bringing energy. I mean, as you said, for 2,000 years, women did not believe that they had anything to do with conception.
3: Well, I don't think it's necessary that they believed it. We're told.
4: I don't mean that as a collective whole. That's what they were right. being told.
3: Until Hildegard has being said, you know, that's absurd basically exactly it's absurd That's absurd that's absurd why are you teaching this this is absurd but you know stranger things were thought it was thought that the brain circulated the blood and that the liver was the seat of thought
4: yeah, well the thoughts got to start somewhere Susan they got to start thinking about something and they, you know and
3: that's right
4: they, it, and if the brain is mean, circulating they, the blood
3: it can't be the brain so it better be the liver <laughs>
4: Right, just like that guy at John Hopkins that started the blue baby um, research, where they just would not do heart like it was a it was a taboo at Johns Hopkins to do open heart surgery on children or infants. And it was that um, Thomas, it was a black guy, and another surgeon. They did the first trans. It was a simple, really quite simple surgery. Well, all these blue babies were dying. Surely you remember what I'm talking about. It was in your age bracket.
3: I don't, but I hear you.
4: Right. So the blue baby syndrome, it was a heart switch,
3: a heart valve. It's, it's almost, there's you a, know. They talk, yeah, there's a, there's a switch or a valve that is supposed to um, switch over when the baby starts breathing air.
4: Correct. And so then the air, the, all the oxygen out flooding the lungs. And not
3: every, and not every baby does that as fast as the medical profession would like.
4: As, correct, but to open heart, to to dive into the unknown and go, oh, we we got it. Is, is always overreaching the taboo of, like the hill guard woman saying, it, it's just not you know to stretch your mind maybe that's just not true right you know that 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 boundary of comfort in this feminism this this discussion of it's you know you can be a man and be a feminist but you're not you know you can't be a female (laughs) no matter what you say you are how you're defining it it's just like you brought up that study about Japan and the women there that have secured those positions for jobs and how trans men are taking it over. God damn it. It's not jobs. It's God, not jobs. It's government Well, I'd like to just use God damn it <laughs> and not include the guys. So, in
3: so, again, just for anyone who's listening, Women's Declaration International is an oh, yeah, international yeah, the group. Decoration of women, Women's Declaration International. You can find them easily online. And I've certainly signed the declaration, which basically says what we're saying. Um, We want everyone to be safe and have rights. And toward that end, we want women to be safe and have rights. And you can sign the declaration or not. But once you're connected, they will give you a link to the Zoom meeting, which is Saturdays, in which women from around the world come and talk about what's going on, where they live, and or um, give presentations. Um, I was not aware that at a big women's swim meet, a man was allowed yes. to be because... Yes, he said. Oh it was, he was my a, gosh!
4: and you know that I'm? Yeah, I'm a swimmer,
3: and, I, and, the and I'm mother the mother of the the mother of the woman who would have won was on the Saturday morning Zoom meeting.
4: Oh, brilliant!
3: Talking I mean, about I'm what sure that she was, what that meant to her daughter. Oh
4: I'm
3: it's, her it's life been, getting ready for this event.
4: I just feel like the yeah this whole but mom they can they believe I I understand what they believe, but it's not reality. They used to believe that you know everything. It's superstitious to agree with an extreme non-truth. Well, let's prick a finger. X X means you're in. X Y means you're not. It's I don't you know after that I hate it for you. I'm sorry about your luck, but this is we're competing here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting because I've been pro-life apparently my life, but I now I am pro-woman is where I'm at. Do you know that this whole abortion thing sounds great and everything, but these women that are fighting for that, pro-life, what we just happened, the ones that want rights to have their babies at home, and do you not think for a second this is not going to interrupt that? It's from conception to you can't, you have to breastfeed whether you like it or not. It didn't tell any woman to do anything that she doesn't want to do with her body, with her infant. I mean, it's, it's, it's a rough
3: row. Sovereignty. Sovereignty, Red Earth Gathering, the Mountain West Women's Herbal Gathering in Colorado is focused on sovereignty this year. Well,
4: sovereignty to me means we need some more orphanages, and we need some more, I mean, we need to buy some nice places where it's not an abortion. It's going to be an orphan, which I'm good with. So where's the funding?
3: Where's the funding? Where's the funding for kindergarten and health care and so
4: on? I mean, right. I mean, where's the funding? Because it's, just, it's not, it's just, it's a continuum issue. It's my right to Correct. have birth control. It's my My right to the choice of men I want to sleep with to whether I want to breastfeed or whether I want my children to go to school. Like, you know, sovereignty. I've taken up enough of your time, Susan. What a delightful conversation.
3: Thank you so much for sharing with us your passion. And uh, thanks for reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients with us. Green
4: blessings. My pleasure, Susan. Green blessings. Good night.
2: All right, and I will remind everyone listening, if you have a question this evening, you do need to press 1 to get yourself lined up in the queue. We have one caller that has pressed 1 to raise their hand, and you've dialed in from the 209 area. The 209, you are live with Susan.
7: Hi, Susan. This is Julie from California, and I'm calling to ask you about... um, Juliet natural rearing book yes. on animals. Yes, and um, I know you were friends with her, which I think is so amazing. I love her book. I breed dogs, so and I do natural rearing the best that I oh, can. Oh, she was that she was such
3: a dog lover. Her advice for dogs oh. was so coherent and priceless.
7: Yes, I just have some issues with translating, like in her book, the herbs she uses are are the, the dried herbs. Oh, my puppy's going to start crying now. And, you know, I know you're not a advocate for using dried herbs.
3: Hello, puppy. And I use good. only dried herbs to make infusions.
7: Okay, so how, but I mean like for, for, this is like medicinally using them?
3: Infusions are medicinal.
7: Okay, so just make an infusion out of the herbs that.
3: Well, it depends on what you want from the herb and what you are asking the herb to do. Basically, you know, any herb can be prepared in any way. We can tincture any herb, we can put it herb in vinegar, we can put it in oil, we can put it in honey. We can, you know, That's use it true. fresh, we can use it dried, we can make a fermentation or a poultice with it. And with many plants, there's a, a kind of yin and a yang to it. Hypericum perforatum, uh-huh. star of the hour, is one of my favorite examples of this. If you take the oil that you make, infused oil, from the fresh flowers, not from the dried flowers, only from the fresh ones, because the oil evaporates when it dries, so you can't get it from the dried, you take those fresh flowers and put them in oil and let them sit for six weeks, and then you put that oil on your body, it makes you like the plant. You can stand in the sun and not get burned. If okay. you take those same flowers, those same fresh flowers and you put them in vodka, a different part of the plant will be extracted. And you take that oh. and then this will be the world's strongest antivirals. But it won't work from okay. the dried flower.
7: Okay. I I don't this think one this is an herb. herb,
3: hypericum she- is an herb which I don't use as a tea or an infusion because there okay. are side effects when you use dry typericum. But things like stinging nettle, when I make infusions, I'm making nourishing herbal infusions. So, for instance, when my goose was attacked by a fox and had his armpit ripped out, I brought him into the house and I fed him comfrey infusion made from dried comfrey.
7: The Which same, was good because, of um,
3: course, it's the middle drink. of the winter, right? Foxes are only going to get at your geese in February, not yeah. in June. Right. So I didn't have okay. any fresh herbs. So I was happy. You know, I I make infusion for myself. I drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion every day. and
7: How did I, you get, give it to your goose? Did you just uh, uh, I, it in? I put the goose in
3: my lap and I put the goose's beak in the liquid. Yeah. Oh, and it would, this drink would it? it? would drink it, yeah. <laughs> oh. I also usually mix some yogurt in with it because animals generally really like yogurt. It's very healthy for them.
7: Yes, I do. Especially okay. if
3: they're sick. And I find it just, if you give them anything with some a little yogurt mixed in with it, it's like, oh, good, I want this. Okay. And then the goose was able to repair himself. It took a long time. I mean, the fox really ripped his armpit out. And there were several, you know, like, tooth marks, too. I took the goose and got him a shot of antibiotics because I couldn't tell how many puncture wounds there were. Yeah. And if I'd known yeah. where they were and I could have kept them wet, you know, but I couldn't find the, a, find a, I didn't know how many places the fox had bitten the goose.
7: Right. Would you also so apply
3: I, it I did do, I did contrast? do that. I, I will admit to going off to the vet and saying, please kill my goose and shot an antibiotic. The and, th- and then from then on out, you know, it was echinacea and comfrey and yogurt and uh, all the other herbs that we needed as the wound changed and healed.
7: Okay. So... As a general rule, you don't recommend people take dried herbs and capsules just cuz you never know what you're getting.
3: That's one reason in in general dried herbs and capsules are the most expensive, least effective, and most dangerous way to use herbs. Okay. Study after study, study after study finds that herb capsules by a large percentage don't contain what they say they contain. Study after study has found that herb capsules coming in from China and other places outside the U.S. contain drugs and sediments, hormones, antibiotics, and capsule labeled combinations, yes. You're not going to find this oh. kind kind of adulteration with dried herb. Occasionally, dried herb will be adulterated with some other herb, but it's the rarity and the herb market is does a really good job of seeing to it that what's being sold is the actual
7: herb. So buying from frontiers. Uh, big bag of the dried herb you're pretty you, yes
3: they've got absolutely. pretty good um, they have a hard place where when they get the large quantity of herb in that they then process and nitrogen pack that they're guaranteeing that it is in the in fact that herb that says on the bag
7: okay yeah, that's where I get mine from for my infusion. So, uh, yeah. And then yeah.
3: can you can so, you tell me so the life cycle? End those infusions right out to the animals. Okay. I tell, well, I give my, I tell my chickens. I tell, the I tell the a funny story herb. about fresh and dried herbs. A woman called me up and she was perturbed because she wanted her goat to take some herbs. She couldn't get a goat to take some herbs, and she kept trying to feed the goat <laughs> the fresh herbs. And I said, get the dried herbs and put the dried herbs. If you feed the goat any kind of sweet feed, put the dried herbs on top of the feed and the goat will eat them. And sure enough, the goat considered the dried herb seasoning, you know?
7: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, Well, I find that the
7: dogs, they'll eat anything on meat, they'll usually eat. Right. You want them to eat something just
3: inside... I give goats tinctures. They like them How do you a lot, do that? and they're fine with alcohol. I generally don't give cats or smaller animals tinctures, but if I must, something like echinacea, I'm going to be using as a tincture. Then I will put tincture in that mix of infusion with a little yogurt in it.
7: And the cattle drink it or eat it?
3: Yes, indeed.
7: Because I noticed they really have an, my dogs have an aversion to the alcohol. Exactly. It's, I'm still able to usually give them tinctures. So I just wondered if it was better to give them. I guess it just depends on what I'm treating, right?
3: Exactly. Tincture what you, or infusion. What Right. What are you, what are you doing? Right. So I was using a Genesia tincture tincture, come comfrey infusion, to help the goose heal. And right. I didn't keep up echinacea tincture for a long time, just long enough to be pretty sure that the puncture wounds had been were healed, and that there wasn't infection okay. in the really, in the really large wound in his armpit. Okay. You know how when they stretch their their um, arms out, there's like like that little kind of web yeah. of skin there. Fox grabbed that and tore that open.
7: Oh,
3: yeah, it was.
7: So,
3: I'm it was glad a it really
7: survived.
3: Stunning wound. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Okay, you and me, we're going to get this thing back together again. It took months. Took three months. Goose was in the house for three months oh wow <laughs> and his brother, his brother hated me thereafter because I had stolen his brother from him, but uh, their names their name's are sweetheart and lover boy oh,
7: uh, girl and boy no, two boys
3: there Three was a boys, girl, yeah. but they, there was a girl, but you know they mate in the water and they drowned her uh, two on
7: one, the yeah. Yeah, bird sex is not nice. No, I know. So my other question is the life cycle of Hypericum. Hypericum. Yes. I I live in California, and it's actually illegal here in this state. So I've been trying to grow it in some planter boxes, and – I haven't, does it die after two years and then reseed? Or have it not it one of those herbs that it's an every two-year one? Or do, it's, I'm not sure about it. It's considered a
3: tender perennial. So an okay. annual lives one year or less. An annual means one. So an annual is one year or less. A biannual, but we say biennial, lives two years or less biennial. A perennial, right, lives Uh more than two years. Okay which is startling for some people because they think perennial means lives forever.
7: Right. And and
3: there are, you know, you plant... You plant echinacea, you pretty much have echinacea forever. But many perennials are tender. So hypericum from seed comes up and generally has one stalk which may branch, and some leaves, and maybe a flower or two the first year. The second year, it comes up, and it's a much healthier plant. The stalk is thicker and stronger. It has many branches now, and it will flower, and it'll flower very nicely. The third year, wow. When we went up to herb till we stopped. And four people harvested hypericum from one plant. That was a third-year plant. Third-year plants are just covered in blossoms. And if you go, if you have a third-year plant and you go out every day that it's sunny and you pick those blossoms, that plant will keep making new buds and new blossoms for a long, long time. Oh, good.
7: I'm in my second year right now. So yeah. And, next year will uh, be a year.
3: It's important to let it set some seeds, though, right?
7: Yeah, I haven't so at harvested at some point, it you yet. on the
3: third year, you have to let it go all the way up the seed and set some seeds because it won't come back the fourth year.
7: Okay, so the, then you're, you go on the next cycle that it'll be the first year again from those seeds?
3: What many people do is sow seed every year. So that they have first, second, okay. and third year
7: that every makes year. Sense. Yeah, and it's pretty invasive, You only invasive, have to sow, correct? you know, three
3: times for three years, and then it'll you'll always have third year oh. plants that'll it'll be self seeding.
7: And how invasive is it? Like if I put it in my border garden, it's not invasive it at just, all. Oh, okay. It's not it, like men.
3: The opposite, it will
7: disappear. Okay. No wonder I can't find any. Right. Okay. I'm going to, thank you. I'm going to
3: show some people. Do you you know why it's illegal in California?
7: Yes, because they believe it's noxious to grazing animals. I, I guess if they eat so here's, it, they think
3: here's, they here's, what, sunburn? Here's, what's very interest, here's what's very interesting about it. Grazing animals will not eat hypericum. That's Horses nice. don't eat it. Cows don't eat it. Goats don't eat it. Sheep don't eat it. If, however, they are on an overgrazed pasture where there's nothing else to eat, they will eat it. And it will cause abortions.
7: Oh. I thought it had something to do with sun sensitivity. It can occasionally
3: <laughs> make animals sun sensitive if they eat a lot of it. Oh. But it's more likely to cause miscarriage, which I think oh, I is... I didn't know that. Exactly what should be happening if the animal is so pushed on the pasture that it's eating a plant that it wouldn't ordinarily eat, then that pasture is overgrazed and certainly doesn't need to have more animals on it.
7: Right. Oh, maybe that's Mother Nature taking care of that problem. That's what I'm saying. Huh. Very interesting.
3: Yes. And I just, Part of the cycle, like one of my favorite places to go and look for hypericum is in horse pastures.
7: Huh, I've gone to pastures. I can't find it. Because
3: horses don't don't eat it. Huh. it's
7: going
3: to be this cropped pasture with the hypericum standing here and there, completely untouched.
7: Wow. Well, I think all ours would be dried up by now. We haven't had any rain for so long. Or, or I, is think it pretty right I think you're drought tolerant. You're
3: right. Unless you can find mm-hmm. a a little cane somewhere that's moist.
7: Yeah. Yeah, by, maybe by a a stream or a river. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And then I just caught, Can you give me the name of that? Um, women's group that you were talking about—they had a yes.
3: women's women. declaration.
7: Declaration Inter-
3: international.
7: Okay, because I I totally agree with you and all this. I I like your statement. There's no such thing as a trans woman. And I, let's I, I agree with
3: to, that. let be kind to everyone. I am exactly. certainly, certainly want to see everyone be happy and everyone be in beauty, but I don't think that abusing some people and calling people names and taking people's livelihood away from them in an effort to get rights for other people is the way we want to go.
7: No. It's just gone so far overboard that... And, and I agree. It's a step back for women. It's, it's not helping women.
3: It's not healthy or helping women. So let's, you know,
7: yeah. let's
3: let's have fairness and rights for everyone.
7: Oh, I agree. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Okay. Well, Green blessings. Thank Thanks you. for calling.
7: Green Bye. blessings. Bye.
2: All right, and if you have a question for Susan this evening, please remember to press 1 and get yourself lined up in the queue. We have one caller who has raised their hand, and you've dialed in from the 908
1: area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan. Hello, in the
2: 908. All right. I definitely hear emptiness, but I don't hear a voice from the 908. Um, Going once, going twice, and I'll put you on hold, and guess we'll come back to you. All right. Um, We do not have another hand raised at this moment, uh, but we do have an email question. Oh, here we go. We also have another hand that has just come up from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan.
5: Hello, Susan. hi hi thank you how are you
3: enjoying the cooler weather how about you
5: oh same what a relief i can finally open the windows and doors yay and um i was really... wasn't
3: that wasn't that quite the storm on sunday
5: Oh, it did such odd things. Um, I was sitting here and uh, watching the big giant oak trees sway, which is so magnificent. If they're grown in the right area, they're very flexible. I have seen my oak trees that surround me in a circle will literally bend down the bow and touch the ground. And they have never snapped. They've been through Hurricane Sandy, which was a real doozy. and uh, But they, they weren't doing that this time. But, yeah, um, parts of my house, certain lights, uh, blacked out, and then came back, and then the TV went green, and then came back. I never lost power, though, but I never saw anything like this in my life, where it was like tentacles of an octopus. It was very different, don't you think?
3: Well, Justine and I um, were out walking in the woods. Oh, wow. and, oh, my. and we said, it's going to rain. House. And we decided it would probably rain in like maybe 15, 20 minutes.
5: Oh, no, it was quick.
3: <laughs> walk up for another five minutes, and then we'd have plenty of time to get back. We walked right. for maybe another two minutes. And we looked at each other, and we go back now. And we turned around, and we started running, and we didn't make it. Hmm. Because we were not counting on, I think it was an an 80-mile-an-hour wind that blew that storm in.
5: It was something.
3: It was really like a wind and a drench, and I'm picking up cheese and crackers and watermelon rinds and trying to get it all inside.
5: (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. It did Uh, havoc on my tomato plants, but um, I had them. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had them tied up to the barbecue grill because I, I was out earlier and I said, this just, they're saying, you know, the combination of a cool air coming in on the hot does that. It, it brings in that surge like just out of nowhere. It's not exactly a tornado, but um, yeah. No, uh, it,
3: but it was it was quite the wind. And it wasn't uh, like a lot it. of it. It was just, you know, that maybe three or four minutes of, like, a hard blow. Where you just, you know, like, had to hunker down.
5: It blew all the hot air out in those three or four minutes, too. Yeah, you're which right. was amazing. <laughs> it just, like, boom. Really sucker punched it. So um, I've been thinking about Hypericum all summer, and I still haven't gotten to my favorite mountain to harvest and that's okay cuz i was listening and i feel i still have time uh and but i was i don't have any on my property and then i realized oh yeah it's been here for 40 years duh so um i've watched a lot of my plants you know come and go with with their life and they die and if you don't replant them that's pretty much that cuz you know old plants don't exactly make the best, uh, if any, you know, babies. So um, I was looking through my seed box and I was freaking out because I said, I know I have motherwort and hypericum somewhere and I should really get it in the ground. So I I just found it and it's, it's, um, it's the hypericum. It says motherwort too, so there might be a little envelope with, some other work in there too, which I'll just put in the ground right away. But is it okay to plant the hypericum now or should I just like wait, uh does it need to be stratified?
3: Well what does the plant do? When does the plant spread its seed? Usually in the fall, right?
5: Y- y- yeah, yes, late, and it's a tiny late season, summer though. fall. Right, it's just so, like t- tiny, tiny seeds, uh,
3: like a poppy very, seed. They're very tiny, right? tiny seeds, yeah. it's true. So yeah. I tend to plant those seeds in the fall, which is That's when the plant does it. But right. I will freely admit that I'm a very lazy gardener.
6: Yeah, me too. And if
3: anything is going to require, like, a lot of really intensive care, I'm probably not going to do it. Right, right. So right. I see people who are like really good gardeners, you know, and they would like maybe take those seeds and start them you know, in flats, indoors, autumn. Yeah, that's what I
5: was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I a, if
3: you're one of those gardeners, I bow to you. I absolutely bow to you. I know about those things but they're not in my life. All
5: right. All right. You know, well I, I'll take a few I have that of time to I'm it. gonna
3: bake a couple loaves of bread. Right.
5: Well, I freak out when the weather changes into winter and I always want all my plants around, like a bucket of uh, basil and and parsley, you know, freshly growing. And, you know, I try to, you know, stretch it out as far as it'll go and and that's that. Um, Then we get a power outage. (laughs) Everything dies. How did your tomatoes plant survive that. You must have a wood stove or something, right? To to go through the winter. Uh dorm power yes. outages. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have one. Which yes. really sucks. But um well anyway, uh so yeah, I did find that. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, what you thought about um using um grain alcohol Tincture in a spray for like topical because you're not putting it through your digestive system. But, uh, you know, we know often on the commercial and that's that's how they make it. And I found this, uh, well, it was recommended to me. I didn't find it, but I bought it and it's uh, combination and you're not fond of but I'll, I will do occasionally I will do a combination of echinacea and golden seal and then this one has propolis added into it so it's those three and it's made by Gaia and they call it a throat spray um, I'm used to taking pretty massive amounts of echinacea when I feel ill. This is a one ounce bottle spray. Uh, That's
3: a no problem because you don't want to be taking massive amounts of golden seal.
5: Oh no, I don't. Uh, I, 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 but there I, they are, I, I, right? Together,
3: together and, and you I'll can't take them apart. apart. Right.
5: So um,
3: this is why I've I use. Had- them Using a simple doesn't mean I couldn't take Echinacea and right. Golden Seal at right. the same time, right. but it means right. I can take appropriate amounts of them and I'm not
1: stuck right. with
3: somebody so, else's formulation. I can respond to well, what I yeah. need. Now, personally, I don't think that Echinacea and Golden Seal get along at all. You don't? Really? Ooh, no way. Why? I don't understand. Where does Echinacea grow?
5: Uh, in Mexico.
3: In the hot, in the dry desert. In the sun. In the daisy. Sunny, nice places. Where does Golden Seal grow?
5: Oh, right. Moist, wet, damp.
3: But. Which plant, likes, which plant likes people? Daisy. Echinacea. Echinacea loves people, doesn't it? Yeah. Echinacea wants to grow at your doorstep. Echinacea wants to grow in in, in the median strip, in your parking lot, at your public library, at your church. Echinacea wants to be with my you my front
5: door. <laughs> right? Yeah.
3: What about and golden seal? Golden does seal it. want to grow by it's your front there. door?
5: No, I'd have to go walking deep in the woods by the creek or something on I the west side. Think of,
3: probably can't think of two plants are more opposite. What a horror for them to have to be together. Don't opposites attract sometimes? I don't think that they're attracted to each other. I think some person decided to put them together. And I even have a theory about that. And I'll tell you, my theory or my experience,
5: perhaps, I've oh, my When I used
3: it all my When price. I started studying herbal medicine, the yeah. primary anti-infective that was recommended was golden seal. And that's harsh. Wow, whether t- it, it was a cold or a, right. you know whatever oh, was going to, it was golden yeah. seal. Golden, golden seal, and I didn't Ouch. like that.
5: Yeah, no, it's and
3: so harsh. And because I started studying herbal medicine in the 60s, it was right at the point where gluten was starting to get scarce because it had been so overused.
5: Yeah, I heard about that.
3: So I said, gee, I wonder what other herbal anti-infectives there are. And I went back to books that had been written in North America a couple hundred years ago by people who called themselves the heroic herbalists and they had a plant that they had found in Kansas that seemed to be a pretty powerful anti-infective. And I was able to get hold of some of it and to try it out, and I found that there were two different species of it, Mm-hmm. and that one of them was far more um, antiseptic and infection-fighting than the other one.
6: Okay. And I
3: began to teach about this plant. The common name for it um, from the heroic herbalists, it does not bear repeating.
6: <laughs> it's really bad
3: news. bad news, what they called it. Ooh. Um Yeah. Uh, So I decided that it would be easier just to call the plant by its botanical name. Uh After all, it's not impossible to say Echinacea. So I popularized the use of Echinacea. And what I have seen happen is that people in the heroic tradition cling to the use of golden seal and won't give it up. Really? despite the this. fact that it does not add to Echinacea at all. Yes, it might be effective you no,
6: But That doesn't mean do that Echinacea
3: alone wouldn't be effective. Yes. That's, no, all I, 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 That's all I, I'm I, saying. That's all I'm saying. Golden seal is a plant that doesn't right. want to be used. And Echinacea is a plant that wants to be used
5: yes i I only use golden seal when there starts to be the green in the phlegm and it starts to inhibit the respiratory tract
3: and so golden the, seal golden seal is a good source of berberine, berberine uh, which is very really? powerful anti infected but there are a lot of other sources of berberine, well, including barberry, a very common yes, shrub
5: thanks to the birds. I have the biggest bush I ever saw it's like Mm, I don't if know. You go out and,
3: and if you go out yeah. and dig some root or cut off a branch and strip the bark, you, you see that you have something that looks and tastes just like golden seal.
5: I I haven't tried it that way yet, and I'm so disappointed in myself for having to admit that, but um, I'm certainly going to do that now. I've been yeah. eating the berries, so the next, which are good. So the
3: next uh, thing, if you want to add a mm-hmm. berberine-rich yeah. Tincture, when and you're I, taking Echinacea, you know, when you get to that green stage, and you I say, hey, I need some berberine here,
5: you'll have your own. So I can well, put the bark and in the, in, in the root is a tincture?
3: Is yes, you can tincture the root it? or you can really? tincture the bark oh. of the above ground part. Uh, 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 uh,
5: say that again, please.
3: The above ground part has a bark. Yes the bar. You can peel that off and you'll see that it is bright yellow inside. Yellow. So
5: that's what I want underneath the cadmium. That's right. Yes.
3: That's because it's it a shrub and not a tree, there's not really you don't have yeah, to take any shrub, hard all right. off it. Of yeah, the shrub. So you yes. just use the whole thing. Or I have got if you're clearing an area it. and getting rid of it, use the roots to make the tincture.
5: But mine has thorns on it, so I know it's uh, you not you it has that nice barb berry. Yeah, right. Yeah, berry, right. <laughs>
3: And barberry its botanical is name is berberine, poisonous. and the compound was first found right. in this plant.
5: Right. And 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 bar without the b, barberry is poisonous, isn't it? I believe. Barberry. Um,
3: there's there's bayberry, which you shouldn't eat. It has uh, berries that make a wax, a bayberry wax candle. The, there's yeah. Barb, which is Berberus, and there's Bearberry, which is Uva oh, Ursi.
5: Bearberry, that's the one you don't want,
3: yeah. But that's oh, Uva Ursi, and it's safe to take it as oh, that a tea. Is? That's okay, too? Oh, no, I thought Absolutely. there was
5: one that wasn't good. The I said you
3: probably shouldn't eat Bayberry.
5: Bearberry. Yeah, no, that wasn't the one I thought. I thought it was called uh Barberry. But nope. maybe I, or bearberry,
3: nope. the barberry, uh, the other bur- okay. are edible. All parts uh, of them.
5: The one I have, be- I love these so berries. Beautiful the flowers. Berries they are, beautiful. are Just starting to bud, you know, um, and it gets—it's a very pretty color. It's old though. Uh, I haven't pruned it or anything, so now I'm thinking if I, you know, prune it, it's probably going to be old stuff at the end that might need to prune it twice or something. I don't know. Maybe not.
3: You will know when you're working with it as you strip the bark yeah, off. Yeah, of I it. will know. Yeah, It will be clear to you what, what like. part of it you want to tinker. Because well, you'll really see it's bright, bright yellow. It's like as yellow as right. golden seal.
5: I really the Berberine appreciate is a yellow.
3: It's yeah. also found in um, yellow dock.
5: But the root. Yeah. I haven't I haven't right. used that either. And,
3: or, and Oregon grapefruit and coptis.
5: Coptis? What's coptis?
3: There's Chinese coptis and American coptis, which is gold thread. They're both herbs that are sources of berberine and they're used as
5: anti-infectives. Does uh, so it grow around here?
3: Gold thread does. American coptis does. But it's really gold thread. Oh. The roots are... It's That's seen as, as red. So wow. it's like I take people and I show it to them wow. in my spring walk. We do a spring of really? emeralds walk and I, Then there's coptis that grows around here as well there's ginseng that grows, dwarf ginseng that grows here. Ah, so I take them out right. to see it and I say, you would, never har- you would never harvest this because it's just so, the root is so tiny. It's really a thread but it's oh, nice to know the, cool. the Chinese cactus has a thicker root.
5: Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So berberine is
3: and the, a very good... Uh, the, bar- uh, the berberine was actually Barberine. brought to North America by um, English settlers because it's a food uh-huh. and medicine plant. Yeah.
6: Oh, it's wow. In,
3: yeah, in, introduced that's specifically for food and medicine use. And they, of, of course, ancestry. knew nothing about... They knew nothing about golden seal, which is a strictly North American plant. Right,
5: right, but right. But they had been yeah. using
3: berberine as an anti-infective for a long time. That was well known. It's
5: very good at that, I'll tell you. So the spray, <laughs> I had, I've had a sinus uh, problem from the allergy season this year, which is the like almost not the worst, but top three uh, in my lifetime, and you know I almost died like three times. So I got this spray and I, what I wanted to say was the application of the spray into the roof of my mouth and it sort of like woofed up into the sinus cavity and it did wonders. And um, the, the propolis is in here too, which is a major, major anti-fungal. That's why the... Bees, um, I believe, juice that. It's to seal up, I think, the holes, the, the cracks in between the beehive holes. Like It seals it up.
3: Mm. Propolis uh, is indeed resins, gummy resins from usually right. trees, like poplar buds.
5: Cottonwood, yeah.
3: Yes, cottonwood is a poplar, right? It's, yes, it's a beautiful
5: absolutely. Co- cottonwood that grows right next to the colony in front of that Victorian-looking right. uh, mm-hmm. yeah. house. Yes, I love yeah. that's my favorite one. It's probably beautiful <laughs> right now. I haven't seen it in a while. But um, Sarah, is anyone
3: else who's pushed one?
8: I oh, think would you
3: you have
5: to Thank you, problems. Thank you for all your... Um, Goodbye to you and in, your advice.
8: You are so
3: welcome. Good night. <laughs> green blessings.
1: Good night. Bye. All right. We'll try the caller from the 908 area code from the 908. You are live with Susan from the 908. All right. Let's go to the 608 area code from the 608 area code. You are live with Susan. Hello? Hi, hi, Susan. Hey, I had a quick
8: question. I was reading um, on a friend's uh, a friend had posted this that she thought that um, she was she's a uh, type one diabetic, and that taking vinegar, like a dose of vinegar, I don't know, a couple tablespoons a day, helped lower her blood sugar. And I had thought, oh well, I'll try that because I'm a type two. And what I discovered, and I just realized it today, was that um, I've been doing it for a couple of months, and I've been having calf cramps. And I'm like, oh, I remembered that when you eat a lot of spinach, the oxalic acid in it binds up calcium, and then that can cause cramps, muscle cramps. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts about this, um, taking the apple cider vinegar in that way, and am I on the right track? with my thoughts.
3: The scientific evidence about lowering blood sugar is far stronger for stinging nettle than it is for apple cider vinegar. Okay. So when people want to take something to lower their blood sugar and to, as a matter of fact, there are large clinical trials that have been done in South America showing that stinging Neville reverses type 2 diabetes. Mm, there, are nice. no, there are no clinical trials that I know of that show that apple cider vinegar does.
8: Okay, good. That's what I was wondering, and I just decided today, no more. I'm not taking any more of it. Uh, I'll uh, have a little bit, you know, a tablespoon or two of sauerkraut a day for my probiotics.
3: Yeah, that's a great idea.
8: Excellent
3: idea. And, um, you know, not that there's anything wrong with vinegar, but I don't think that it is necessarily a a cure-all or a cure for blood sugar.
8: Okay, great. That's great to know. What
3: I find um, is the most helpful to stabilize blood sugar, is that whenever you eat the first meal of the day, that that first meal of the day be very protein-rich and that there be no sugar, no fruit juice, no jam, no sugar in the first meal of the day.
8: Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Although I tend to have a little bread because um, I really like that wholesome, really nice. I'm not saying no carbohydrate. I'm saying no sugar. (laughs) No sugar. Gotcha. No sugar bread.
3: So, um, yeah, whole grain bread, slow release carbohydrate, very important. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
8: Yeah. I was going to say I had one other comment to make. You know, I love the poem about tampons, okay? Um, I actually, way back, I'm going to be 70 in another week or so, way back when I still bled and I was in my 20s, I read about sea silk sponges. And I used up my stash of tampons and started using sea silk sponges. And I used them all the way till I stopped bleeding. And I'm so glad I did when we... Le- started learning all the other information about tampons. It was just like, oh my god! I'm so glad I didn't use these anymore. So just to, just yes, to that. throw that in, the sea silk sponges yes. were wonderful.
3: That was that was um, a group that I was part of. A group that was trying out everything from moss to everything else to see what could we use instead. Yes. And um, one of the women came in with these. Sea silk sponges, and so we hired women to ecologically harvest them.
8: Ooh, nice! And
3: made them available to women because they worked so well.
8: Yes, yes, they did. And the only thing and I they, had to do—they still,
3: they still do. <laughs>
6: yeah.
8: They still do. The only thing I had to do when I was using them, if I was going to sneeze, I better cross my legs and, you know, clench. Otherwise, uh, the pelvic floor goes, (laughs) you know. What I used to say to
3: women was, push it up a little further.
8: Stand with one
3: leg raised on a chair and push Mm -hmm. it up a little further if you're getting squirts when you sneeze.
6: Absolutely. There's enough
3: space up there that, it, that you should be able to get the whole thing up beyond the actual muscles of your vagina.
8: Well, that would, been, that would have been nice. I have a a, a tipped cervix, so I haven't got that much room in there. But it is what it is. But um, yeah. anyway, was, hearing that poem, that was just like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're yelling bass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's about it for me. It's so wonderful to hear okay. your voice. Thank you. Thank By the way, you this is call. me. You Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: All right, it looks like Margaret is here in the queue.
8: Oh,
3: goody.
1: All right.
3: All right. Hang on here. There we go. Now wait. Why did you take away Margaret and give me this? Give me, give me Margaret back, please. <gasps> Margaret Nash is a life coach, lifelong seeker, a hippie at heart, and the author of seven books. She lives and works in San Miguel de Allende, in the highlands of Mexico. She's a trained hypnotherapist. Margaret certified in the 1990s as a master practitioner and trainer in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, and timeline therapy. She's been honing her craft on unsuspecting and probably suspecting folk for nearly 20 years in both Mexico and England. She coaches online and in person in San Miguel, helping people deal with surviving transitions, aging well, and finding their groove in life in their 50s, 60s, and beyond. Her background is in business training. She uses a practical results-oriented approach combined with an esoteric flavor in her training and coaching. Welcome to the show, Margaret.
0: Well, thank you. It's nice to connect with you.
3: At the beginning of the show, I said that you had declared that you were an old hippie.
0: An old hippie at heart. There is that little proviso there. It means I don't necessarily
3: look like a hippie. Does that mean you're too young to have been a hippie?
0: No, 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 no. Oh, I was right there. Um, I was right there in the middle of it. Uh, No, it means that a lot of us uh, were hippies back in the 60s and 70s, and then we grew up and graduated from college and got married and did all the usual stuff, had kids and got very, you know, kind of um, in society and kind of forgot our hippie roots. But there's still a kind of a rebel living in us, and we're still weird, and um, we want to grow old weird. And that's my my demographic.
3: Old and weird, I like it. (laughs) Uh, You know, as I have said, the only problem with the word old is that it needs a better press secretary. Who (laughs) wouldn't want to be fascinatingly old or excitingly old or stunningly old?
4: I like fierce. Fiercely old. <laughs> Fiercely old, yeah.
3: Right? I mean, after all, they keep telling you to do this to live longer and do that to live longer, but they never yeah. mess that you live longer, you're going to get old.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they don't tell you any of that. <laughs> but they like, to, they like to ply you with medicine and drugs to uh, try to stave it off. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm kind of a rebel. I rebel against that kind of aging, and I'm here to inspire others um, to get through their transitions. And by that, I mean, like, we baby boomers go through a lot um, at one time. We get divorced. We, uh, our kids leave home. We uh, get new partners. We relocate to foreign places. We do all kinds of things that our parents didn't do. And it all kind of hits at once. And I'm here to, uh, I've been through all of it. And uh, I came out and I thrived. I survived and then thrived. And I'm here to inspire others and help them.
3: All right. So <laughs> what kind of tips do you have for
0: <laughs> well, being
3: a you being a juicy old hippie at heart.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, it's it's all about doing it your way. I know that sounds like such a cliche, but it really is about resisting and even sometimes rebelling against everything that they, um, meaning society and, you know, moneyed um, interests, Um, How they want you to age and what is expected of you, and I just want people to re um, reconnect with their old hippie kind of rebel pioneering spirit that they had when they were younger, and you know forge a new path for getting older because we baby boomers have forged paths the whole way along. Ever since the Beatles came on the scene, we've started you know trying to transform the world. And you know, doing things our way, and we need to age our way, and we need to get older, and we're doing it. Don't don't get me wrong, we're we're doing it, and to a great extent, I'm just here as a cheerleader, and to um, help people along, especially to get through the difficult transition periods, because. these days, we baby boomers, because we were so, so rebellious and and such hippies and renegades and uh, doing it our way, we don't um, live in the same hometown we grew up in, and we don't go to the same church that um, our ancestors and parents went to. Um, we don't usually don't even have the same partner we had when we were in our twenties, um, or husband or whatever. And um, we don't have these support systems that in the past got people through these transition periods of, you know, growing older and um, retirement. Oh, retirement. I forgot that. That's a huge one. Um, You know, retirement and kids leaving home. You know, my, my parents had their church. They had, you know, people to support them. We don't have those systems. And so we need to make our own. And that's what I'm about.
1: All right.
3: (laughs) We need to make systems. Are you sure about this?
0: Make our own way. Make our own, (laughs) yeah. Well, systems in a very casual way, I think is the way I mean. (laughs) Okay. In a rebellious way, you know. Because rebellion is
3: basically rebellion against the system. Exactly. Those kinds of people tend to to, (laughs) not heard very well at all. And I speak from the experience of living in a town of 6,000 of them. Oh. All right, maybe not all 6,000 people in Woodstock are over the age of 50, but I would guess at least 50%.
0: You live in Woodstock? Not yeah. me, Woodstock. Not me, Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mentioned that in I'm my not book. A at heart. I'm a hippie I'm a hippie, honey. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mentioned in my book that we, we baby boomers, we hippies at heart. We, um, we, you know, we, we know exactly where we were when, when Woodstock, you know, was, uh, right. was taking place. And we pretend we're really sorry we didn't get there, despite the the mud and the rain and the lack of hygiene. Oh, Oh, I never (laughs) pretend
3: I wanted to be there. I always say that the only crowds I enjoy are the ones I'm leading.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyway, okay, Woodstock. Anyway. Yeah.
3: (laughs) And, of course, you know that the concert did not happen in Woodstock. Woodstock far too to let something like that happen here. It happened 35 miles
0: south. Oh, okay. No, I did not know that. Sorry. Uh, so by hippie at heart, I mean those of us who still have that spirit and it's still kind of lurking inside of us and it's still kind of a time we, we miss, even though we seem on the outside very kind of uh, fitting into society. But. They're little. They're little things. Maybe you're not that way, <laughs> but they're little things that give us away. I mean, I look quite preppy, to be honest. Um, I, I wear look, I, work,
3: I, I, I wear tie dye almost a hundred percent of the time.
0: Oh, <laughs> I love you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't,
0: but I am casual, and I still have long hair, and I go barefoot a lot. And all um, right, yes, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> So, at heart, I am one, (laughs) but it's the attitude towards life, it's the attitude towards life that I'm about, you know, kind of uh, reconnecting with that, with that attitude of, hey, I can do this and I can do it my way. And, you know, we can forge ahead, and we can make the world a better place, and we can, you know, do things our way. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the, the hippie spirit to me. I just feel very fortunate to have, you know, grown up in that time, you know, to have been in high school when the Beatles came along. To, yeah, I just, you know, the Rolling Stones, all of that. Still exciting. All <laughs> of that. All <laughs> of that, Grateful Dead, oh. Jefferson Airplane. Oh, all of it. All of it. All of it. Yeah. yeah, that's why I went and moved to England and after college and married the first guy I met there um, because he had an English accent like the Beatles, and, um, <laughs> and I just fell in love with Carnaby Street and, you know, men in velvet and ruffles and long hair, and um, I just loved it. I just loved it.
3: <laughs> How did you get from England to Mexico?
0: Oh, that's a thirty-year story. I'm not sure you have time for that. But uh, I married. You're the right. German. We are limited in time, but maybe it's a condensed version. Okay, I married. I married the Englishman. Um, lived there for thirty years. Had three children, lovely children with him, and we parted very amicably um, twenty years ago. Uh, well, 15, 20 years ago, somewhere like that. And I then met a Mexican on the airplane. Um, flying to London and um I've been with him for twenty years. <laughs> He's my husband now. So I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a you know, little rogue, a little weird. You know, my, my family my family is from Alabama, so you can imagine. Um, and they're quite conservative and uh they're 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 like, What's wrong with American men? you <laughs> know. Englishman, now Mexican, who's going to be next? <laughs> but I hope this is the last one.
3: <laughs> there comes a time in every woman's life when she says, I hope this is the last one.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I like this one. I like him. <laughs> He's good. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
0: yes, I found myself, an saying, old hippie, too. <laughs> yeah.
3: found myself saying, you're not my first lover, but with any luck at all, you'll be my
0: last. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, and, and as we age, our needs for a companion um, change quite a bit, and we need to go with the flow. Otherwise, we cause ourselves Talk. stress, you know.
3: <laughs> Talk about that a little bit, if, it, if you would.
0: Um, Well, as we get older, I think you know. I'm not speaking for everyone, of course. I'm speaking for a lot of people that I come in contact with and my clients. Um, We kind of um, are going for more for like um, somebody you like to be around, and you've got things in common with, and you like to share the same activities and um, their solvents and you know things that when you're young um college students don't seem to matter you don't understand that they matter does that make sense <laughs> you yes. want you you want to come you want you want someone who's a good companion who's easy to get along with who's you know just um the chemistry just uh, flows you know more yeah. than more than if it's a really hot thing. Let me put it that way. Although I, my husband is hot. He's 76 and he's hot. But, you know, um you know, it's it's that's not so important, is it? For me, I just like being around him. So that's different and we like to travel and that sort of thing. And we like animals. <laughs> and he he he's a yogi and he meditates a lot. So it's like you know, it's very compatible, and I like that. It's easy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one okay. of the
3: things <laughs> that I that I believe is mm-hmm. that um, being a hippie at heart is about being young at heart. Yeah. And that young at heart means that we're open to being shaken out of our routine. Yes.
0: You got it, girl. <laughs> Yep.
3: But there has to be a routine to be shaken out of.
0: I think we need routines. Um, so well, I guess it's so while we're routine, still
3: looking yeah. as, you know, adventurous agers for <laughs> yes. that excitement and that new thing, we yeah. want it based in oh. a strong foundation.
0: For sure. And, I, you know, I've always said this, that, you know, you need to look after your health. You need to look after your finances. You need to look after your friendships, um, you know, your relationships. Um, Those things I see so many of my clients neglect, you know, one or the other, you know. And then you get into um, your spiritual life and your, you know, purpose for living and all of that. But those three elements are just so important. If you neglect any one of those, uh, you're going to have problems, you know. People don't pay any attention to their finances because they are nomads and they just like to live free, and then they regret it. You know, you need some, some attention to it. Your health, I think that needs so much attention. You know, staying reasonable, um, staying reasonably healthy as much as you can. Um, and, and then your relationships. Um, I see so many of my clients. It just breaks my heart. They're, they don't have good relationships with their whatever family they have left or their kids won't speak to them or, you know, all sorts of things. Protect those relationships. Protect them. They're so precious, you know. Um, and they help you so much as you're getting older. So that's my little thing. especially sermon.
3: protect them because... A certain amount of them are going to die on
0: you. Oh, yeah. They really will.
3: (laughs) They really will. And then you wish you had the rest of them.
0: I know. And then you wish you had been nicer when, you know, before they died. Um, You know, there's a lot of regret going on. But I just can't believe how many people are are at odds with their kids. You know, they're grown-up children. They don't speak or they're cheating each other out of money and all kinds of things going on. Um, oh dear, in, my goodness, I have oh, no idea. Yeah, lots of it. I, I deal with it every day. And, um, oh. you know, these are just relationships where you have to you have to give in and sacrifice. You cannot always have your own way, you know, and you've got to be able to let go. That's the big thing to me is, is at, to at let one go point, at, at one point
3: <laughs> in my relationship with my daughter, I sought out a therapist, and I said to her, you know, I would not let any other human in the world Treat me the way my daughter is treating me. You know, oh, yeah. Should I like? Should yeah. I like do something about it? And she looked at me and she said, "Didn't you read the manual on page one? It said parents eat shit."
0: <laughs> okay, you got me. That was, that was more poetic than what I said. <laughs> and I said, "Got it." it it's you know. Since then, yeah. it's been my like, right? Yeah. Anytime it comes up, it's like... Parency chip, age one.
6: Okay, got
0: it. Yeah, and it's like the old, you know, the old um, cliche, you know, would you rather be right or... Oh, wait a minute,
6: I can't remember it. Or what?
0: (laughs) What's my other choice? (laughs) It's my age. (laughs) I forget things in the middle of a sentence. Uh, uh, yeah. I uh, would rather be right or... among
3: Among the, among the Seneca,
0: um,
3: <laughs> I was told that when teachers get to be to a certain age, that they're required yes. to teach in groups. <laughs> and okay. three is the minimum group, so that if one forgets and one falls asleep, there's still one to oh, teach. I
6: love it.
0: I love it. Where did you hear that? From grandmother...
6: Oh, my goodness, I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's me. I need somebody sitting right beside me. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm young at heart, though.
5: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, uh, so what other questions so what do you have? So Let's
3: see. You... Did you say you had written seven books?
0: Seven books, yeah. Just finished my. Well, tell us one, a little about published. one or
3: more of those
0: books. Well, uh, rebellious aging is my kind of signature book, um, and it's called rebellious aging: a self-help guide for the old hippie at heart. And this is my book about transitions. It's about it. It has my story in it about how. Um, you know, I, I met my current husband when I was—I had just gone through a divorce. Um, I moved from England to Houston, Texas, to be with him. Um, my kids were, were out of out of home now; they had it was empty nest. Um, so I thought, well, this is the ideal time. Um, and so I left my career um, in England, where I'd lived for thirty years. Um, Left my, you know, my kids were on their own, own paths by that time. Um, I, I just left everything and went to Houston to live with this man. And, um, I, I, you know, I went through the biggest transition shock you can ever imagine. You know, um, I lost. I had that uh, the experience of losing my identity, and I realized if one of the lessons I learned was how much we rely on our roles in life for our identity. I was no longer, uh, you know, an at-home mother. I was no longer um, a, a coach and hypnotherapist because I wasn't working in Houston. Um, I was no longer a wife, um, so I wasn't married to him, so I wasn't a wife, so we weren't yeah you know it was kind of um sometimes awkward um and uh what else there was just everything had everything that i kind of was my stability was gone and i was living with this man i didn't have any work um i i it was just I went through this transition shock and this book is my story about how I realized how many people are going through that our age at that time and um, you know how I survived it and um, and thrived eventually we moved to Mexico to this beautiful town San Miguel de Allende um, which is kind of half Americans which some people don't like but I love because um they speak my language <laughs> and um I am now got a thriving business down here and written and I write and I coach and I love it but it was quite a journey and uh, so this book is about that and helping people on their journey
3: sounds thrilling
0: <laughs> well it um it's a, it's called the I, I compare it to your hero's journey, yeah, and I feel like we all when we're in the process. Oh, and oh, the other thing was it was not only all that I was I was overweight. Um, I was going through menopause. I was um, uh, um, I was broke. Um, I, I just all kinds of things, you know. Were, you know, on me at all times I had lost all my money after nine eleven. Um when the market crashed, I lost everything and um I lost all my clients, you know, and that sort of thing at the at the time. And, you know, I was just going through hell. And um and I was living with this man who was Mexican. I had been used to an you know, a new age Englishman, um, you know, very kind of Progressive in his thought, and I was married to—I mean, I was living with a Mexican, and that's a very different story. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with it, but it was—it was a big—it was a big change, and um, I, uh, I i took what I would call—I I like to call it the hero's journey, à um, la Joseph Campbell. And um, your hero's journey is when you are forced by being miserable into really reexamining your life and seeing how you have to rewrite your story. And you have to go out and fight dragons and you have to find new archetypes to help you and retire some of the old ones and, um, you know, really um, reset your goals and then come back into the world. And my big thing is Charles Darwin's, I mean, my favorite kind of quote, and this one I will remember Um Charles Darwin was once famously asked, um, what, "What, Mr. Darwin, what is the number one survival trait of all species? What's the one thing you found that is the number one trait that makes a, a species survive? He said, oh, it's easy. He said, it's adaptability. And I just, when I first heard that, I just, I can remember getting cold chills because that's the answer. As we get older, we have to adapt. We just, and this is what a lot of people as they get older don't do. And we think of old people as being set in their ways or being stuck, you know, and being rigid in there and inflexible. And it's, a lot of it's true. And if we can adapt to changing circumstances, to, you know, changing lifestyles, to changing um, abilities. Um, if we can adapt. Software evolved. updates?
6: <laughs> what? what? Even
0: software updates?
3: <laughs>
0: I didn't hear that. <laughs> this
3: even software updates?
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. That's the worst, you know. Technology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Has the world changed or what, you know? And if we just get stubborn and, and don't adapt. Now, adapting, for me, is getting someone else to do it, that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> That's an adaption that. That's an adaption. Nobody here says you have to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know and, and I use, I'm, I'm a great fan of stoicism. And um, stoicism says, um, control what you can control and let the other stuff go. If you try to control things you can't control or, you know, adapt to, then, you know, you're just going to be frustrated. So your adaptation is getting somebody to help you. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a lot of people helping me. <laughs>
3: well, I will admit to a garden chore that I have been putting off okay. because every time I go to do it, I say, you know, no, really, I really want someone else to do this.
0: Oh, well, girl, you know what I would say? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yes, I'm going to get somebody else else to do it.
0: it. (laughs) And and we change a lot. What we like, you know, our ambition changes. I mean, can you remember how ambitious you were when you were 50 and in your 40s and 50s? You know, you were going to conquer the world and you were going to become, you know, make a lot of money and you were going to do this and that. And, you know, it gradually just you you wake up one morning and that ambition is gone but other ones are in its place and it's adapting to them that makes us, you know, that makes us thrive. You know, you have new ambitions. You, you want to serve, you know, you want to be of use. You want to, you know, that's more important than the money. You know, for instance, I am very affordable and I'm not going to talk about money or anything, but as a coach, I'm very affordable. And my coach Goes crazy over this. He says, "You need to be charging more. You're too cheap." Blah blah blah. And I say, "Listen, I'm comfortable with this, and that's what counts right now. Me being comfortable, you know. <laughs> so that's an adaptation."
3: <laughs> well, I read Schumacher very early on, and really got the "small is beautiful" bug.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Oh,
8: that, that's you know that's
3: I, I, I'm with you keeping it. Keeping it small has given me always more time for what's valuable to me, which is relationships, friendships, Mm -hmm. and family. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely, absolutely, good. I remember one of
3: my apprentices saying to me that her grown-up children said to her, thank you for working so hard to get us all the things we wanted when we were young mom, but really we would have rather that we had the time with you than those things.
7: Oh, Oh, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? <laughs> now, of
3: course, they wouldn't have said that back then, right?
6: No, yeah, no.
3: That's maturity. High, that's hindsight. Oh, that's but nonetheless, it's good to hear. And it it's good to hear. Somebody about, yeah. to hear it even right now, which is, yeah, your kids may want this, that, and the other thing. But in their hindsight, what they'll say is, I wish I had that time with my parents. Not yeah, the thing.
0: Yeah, at the time. yeah. But you're going to be thinking... I, You know, you wish at this point in your life you had taken time to do the things that matter to you, you know. So, you know, this is about a time of life where you don't want to die with regrets. Um, And I know that sounds really grim, but it's it's really something we think about. You know, like I think often, what if I was on my deathbed? What would I regret I hadn't done? And I want to do that. Or what do I regret? um i didn't do more of you know um and you know it's like that really kind of makes things you know it really sharpens your your perspective and you know and that and then my my next thing is well why don't i do that now
3: (laughs) do it now yes Yes. It has been so wonderful talking to you that I've forgotten to ask you to give everybody your your contact information.
0: Okay, it is Margaret Nash Coach Easy um, at um, at dot uh, com. Margaret Nash dot uh-huh. com. M a r g
3: a r e t n a s
0: h c o a c h dot com dot com. So that's like nice. and, and from that, you can contact me and you can see my stuff and my hippie van on there. I have, van. Right. <laughs> I have a little orange hippie. It has to be orange, right? Orange hippie van is my branding. <laughs> <laughs> and I had one. I had one. <laughs>
3: Oh, uh, there was a time when you could not wash your clothes in the laundromat (laughs) in Woodstock because all the dyeing their clothes orange people had been there first, and you would wind up orange too. (laughs) No, Margaret, I conceive that what we are doing is to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients, and I want to thank you for the rebellious hippie at heart. Uh, let's-get-old-and-kick-their-butts attitude (laughs) that you are taking out to the world. May you live a long time and thrive, and may there be many more like you. Yeehaw. (laughs) And Sarah Ellen, thanks for helping me reclaim herbal medicine as people's medicine. Big thanks to you too, Justine, and all the rest of you callers and listeners. Green blessings, and good night.
0: Good night.